Hello there, supply chain aficionados, business trailblazers, and tech enthusiasts. I'm your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Joe Davis, welcoming you back to another mind-blowing episode of Gains On, your go-to podcast for anything and everything supply chain related. Brought to you by the big brains at Gains, the supply chain planning and design solution that helps customers keep their promises. Today, we delve into the complex landscape of technology adoption in the supply chain. We're exploring the nuances of automated decision-making, real-time analytics, and the human judgment that ties it all together. We'll be joined by industry experts who have a wealth of experience in leveraging technology to improve business processes. So if you've been questioning whether your company is maximizing its technological capabilities, or you're simply looking to better understand the evolving landscape of supply chain management, you're in the right place. In this episode, we'll be unpacking tough questions like, how do you trust the decisions coming out of an automated system? What's the balance between speed and quality in decision-making? We're not just talking about changes in technology. We're discussing a paradigm shift. From planners resisting machine recommendations to companies navigating their unique challenges, we're exploring the intersection of human expertise and machine capabilities. Our two guests today on the episode, Gains On First, are seasoned professionals in this space, and they provide insights that could very well change the way that you think about supply chain management and technology. Joining me today are two luminaries of the supply chain industry. Fresh from the 2023 Game On Gains Summit in Chicago, it's Gains' new VP of Industry Strategy, Amber Sally, and Gains' VP of Solution Strategy and podcast guest extraordinaire, Jeff Matursky. They're here to shed light on how businesses can break through the proverbial glass ceiling of supply chain maturity, all thanks to technological advancements and a shift in mindset. So whether you're skeptical of the buzz around AI and technology or eager to embrace the future, this episode has got something for everyone. So grab your note-taking tools and your beverage of choice, because it's time to unlock the secrets to achieving the ultimate in supply chain maturity. Welcome, Amber and Jeff, to Gains On. Amber, one of the things that struck me during your presentation, um, and and a big part of the reason why I asked you and Jeff on the show, is that you mentioned the five levels of supply chain maturity. Uh, level one is you know everything's siloed and no one's working together, um, and then level five is sort of this utopian perfect situation that's not really clearly defined and. Part of the reason why that's not clearly defined, you had mentioned that there's nobody at level five. So I guess the question is, how does that work? Why is there no one at level five? So in my 12 years at Gartner, I've talked to thousands of companies that have attempted to progress across these different maturity stages. And many are challenged with with doing that. And most of them get stuck at that uh, level three Mm -hmm. uh, of maturity. But with all of these companies and trying for all of these years to reach these higher levels and aspirational stages of maturity to have higher functioning supply chains that are growth drivers for the organization, with most of them being challenged, you have to think, why? Why are they? Why why are they challenged? And there hasn't yet been a panacea for companies to turn to, to start to really achieve that aspirational goal. 
And that's the only thing that drew has drawn me here to games is this vision that games has for creating something that will make it easier for companies to reach this aspirational state. Now, maybe it's not necessarily a level three, level four, level five, level 30. Maybe the aspirational state is something that brings the different disparate parts of the supply chain together to work together to better align the different time horizons for planning and this idea and this notion of moving towards a more decision-focused environment where, yes, you are focusing on, on outcomes, focusing on productivity, but you are basing this on the decisions that need to be made to help the customer, to help the supply chain overall, whatever other objective your organization has. But in the day, you're making all these decisions and you have to make the highest quality decision that, that you can make. And what we what I see in Gaines and the Gaines vision and what Gaines is investing in is building that technology and that environment for companies to reach whatever this aspirational end state is for them. And again, it might look like what a maturity level four is, it, it, it might not. But now we are able to go to each uh, supply chain, say, what is your goal? What is your, what is your aspiration? And here are tools that you can use to reach those higher aspirational states that you have. So Jeff, my question for you is in discussions that you and I have had and discussions that I've had with others on the podcast, it doesn't seem like the stages of maturity. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's a linear process. So my question is, am I able to jump in at any stage or do I have to go through all these different stages of maturity? Um, I think I, you might be able to jump in somewhere. I think the thing that we're going to all collectively think about, you know, inside of gains and, and with our partners and with our customers is, uh, is that the right steps to take based on that ultimate destination that Amber was just talking about? So I think, you know, part of this for me is, uh, you know, we're taking this big step back, right? We're taking a clean slate and said, if I had to start this all over again, Right, so a big part of my conversation at the conference, right, in the presentation was, if I could start this all over again and look at the world that exists today, as opposed to a lot of these, you know, supply chain, we call them supply chain planning, supply chain design. So let's just use that vernacular for right now. Um, these, these decisions that were designed, you know, were, were initiated 10, 20, 30 years ago. And, and our environment in which supply chains operated at that time are significantly different than they are now. And so when you and I, when you and I were talking about VUCA, right, in a prior conversation, that was kind of the heart of my, you know, presentation at Summit was that these processes served us really well when we had very stable, very predictable, low disruptions um, inside of our world. They're, they're great. All the characteristics of them that is running cyclical cycles. That's worrying about time, you know, time phasing between strategic to tactical to operational. The intersections, we talk about processes. This group is doing demand planning. This group is doing recognition planning. We got we got absorbed in 
like the functions themselves that were required to be coordinated in some fashion. And when I had a high degree of predictability or stability, doing a monthly demand plan and then waiting a month to come back to it again was just fine. But, but I can't do that any longer. And so to my, my concerns as we look at it is that if we, if we assume that I have to walk through this structured, this is what phase one looks like, this is what two, maturity levels one, two, three, but it's based on these old foundational principles that have been created over the last 30 years and not really been challenged, then I don't think companies are going to get what is currently not thought of as levels four and five. And so I, we, we believe that we're going to have to take this from a different perspective. And so that's part of this challenge, right? As we've made investments, companies are running in certain ways, but they're going to run out of gas at some point. Now, for certain companies, that may be fine, and for others, it's not. And so that's what our job is going to be at Ains is trying to figure out what's a different or climbing a different mountain. Actually, a lot of Gaines customers are early on in our maturity journey. It's actually easier, in my opinion, to start redirecting them. So it's going to just depend, but that's what we're going to have to figure out mutually together. I know we talk a lot about incrementalization, right? Or uh, incremental change. You could do a piece at a time. You don't have to go from this is the way we've always done it to nothing. So in your experience, what does that process look like? I would say whenever something has been built, there are still foundational elements that can still be carried over. Sure. Are the challenge is just going to be doing the dissecting of, of the current way of working to see what are those foundational elements that are the base that you've had for years and then how are you going to rebuild all the other aspects to start this new way of 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 working and if what i've seen in the past from other organizations it's it, it is a journey and it, it requires a lot of coordination across different parts of the enterprise. It does require a cultural shift. Yeah. But if there are steps that companies have shared with us about their own lessons learned yeah. for getting the end um, user organization to accept and adopt the new ways of working, um, which again might include things like having the evangelism of the stakeholders and the executive leadership that all that goes a long way towards shifting from the outdated antiquated way of working into a more modern one thing that stood out to me is in all of my conversations with i mean to a person you know we talked about or they had talked about wanting to bring in automation into their process to automate some of those easier, the simpler tasks so that they could free up the time for their staff and their planners. And so when I asked them, well, what do you want to free up their time to do? You know, no one mentioned cuts. No one mentioned, you know, uh, you know, losing working capital. Everyone said that they wanted to make process improvements. So my question is, what do those process improvements look like when gains is involved? I think I think the opportunity here over time is to, you know, the, the roles of let's call them planners in the future. You know, we may call them decisioners. Um, that the, the future is really focusing more energy on 
cultivating the variety of inputs that need to go into the decision-making process. So what, what, does a, what does someone do today when they don't trust the output, right? And they do overrides and they spend a bunch of their time, like why can't you get into automatic purchasing, right, as an example? And it's because you don't trust the output of the system. Well, why don't you trust the output of the system, right? You don't trust it because it didn't consider everything that you think should be considered. And lots of times planners feel like they may know better, right? And they may have some level of intelligence. So we're focusing our energies on improving the quality, right, of that decision by enhancing the input, right? What are the inputs that need to be contemplated and considered? Right. When I make a decision, if I'm spending time understanding how good was that decision, I'm not racing and spending all my time on executing the purchase order in my example. Right. I'm figuring about do I have high quality inputs into that decision making process? And then when I when I pulled the trigger on it, how good was that order that I created? Am I monitoring the performance of that afterwards? And if it wasn't that good, right whatever that, that set of metrics are that we're going to use or what's not good, can I actually go back and determine what can I do better to improve the process? So when we talk about process improvement, we're now trying to get into the, let's get the input better, let's get the monitoring of the output better, let's know ahead of time what I expect my performance to be, right? And not necessarily in the world of today, one number. And so my, my responsibilities change from being someone that's executing a set of tasks to enhancing the quality of the decision itself by focusing on the input and output of that. And, and that's where I think we're heading. Like, let's automate those things that are mundane, that are repetitive, that don't require human interaction to do, but that's not gonna be everything. And unfortunately, I have to spend so much time on those today, right? Because I'm not comfortable with everything that went into the recommendation that's coming out of the system. So let's improve what's going in so that we have a higher degree of trust of what's coming out. And then we can focus on understanding how good with the quality of those decisions to then get into this continuous process of improvement. That That's one perspective of where I think we're heading with this concept. So Gaines tagline or catchphrase, if you will, is um, moving forward faster. And I think what we're talking about when we talk about that is, you know, making better decisions faster not laboring as much over making these decisions. Would you say that's accurate? I, I would. I mean, I think, I think you know, we, 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 owe it, we owe it to our customers to do more of helping them understand and, the, and the, you know, the leaders and executives in our, in our companies, like how much is being overridden by individual planners, right? And why, why are you overriding it? Like you've made this investment and you haven't, we haven't done a good job together of building in trust that you will just take it and run with it. So what do we do to enhance all of that? So I think that is part of moving forward faster, right? Um, and part of it is not just speed, right? I mean, speed and velocity is one is one aspect of it, but I mean, it's also the quality of the decisions that are being made. Can I make them faster with a higher level of quality, meaning I'm getting the outcomes I expect, right, on a more predictable nature than I would have had before, right? That's all part of it. Right. It's more about the quality of decisions. I've made plenty of bad decisions and made plenty of bad decisions quickly, right? But um, that's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. Fast, fast decision-making by in and of itself can't be the only barometer. So in talking to customers, I've found that a lot of planners tend to 
override systems because they don't trust the systems, right? And to your point, I don't think that folks have really sat down and thought about all the factors that go into making a decision. I always say this when 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 I talk about ChatGPT, it's like ChatGPT doesn't know what it doesn't know. So you really have to treat it like a first year intern, you know, hold its hand, walk it through it and, and teach it. And I think that a lot of folks maybe, um, you know, haven't thought about or haven't used that level of self-reflection to sit down and analyze their processes in order to make it work. Yeah, and I would say there are a couple couple of things that come to mind as as you were um, sharing that. One is when it comes to trusting the output, what we're seeing more organizations try to do with their technology is add an, a layer of explainability mm. to the output. Yes. So that the planner does have more visibility into what inputs were used, what weighting was given to each input. And as the tool uh, is, is used more and more and the um, one, maybe, maybe some back and forth between the person consuming that output who can give some of their feedback either into what inputs were used or the weighting, or if there's some other entity in the organization that is it's a credible source to um, who way have decided the inputs and the weightings, and that can go a long way into building the trust of, of the outputs. But then there's also the consideration for what kind of behaviors do you want out of the planners for themselves? If the end goal is for the planners to use the system more, I'm not gonna say trust sure. the output more, but let the tool run as intended to be more automated. Then mm -hmm. maybe part of the behavior that you set up is something that might tie their amount of overrides to some other aspect that they are measured on. Uh, there's one organization that I've talked to that instituted a new evaluative metric for planners which was looking at their overall value add to the output where the planner would have a portfolio of products and they were told you need to increase the value from maybe a forecasting perspective by by x percent so the planner had their had the latitude to choose which products they they focused on sure but they would be driven away from those products where the um, leaders in the organization would want that uh, aspect to be more automated and then driven towards the ones where maybe more human intervention is more warranted. And so that, that one planner achieves that goal. Yeah. And maybe it's, it's to the extent of also, I mean, I love that as an example, it's like, you know, where's, where's the biggest impact of a wrong decision, right? So, I mean, not, not, not all products are created equal. They don't all equally contribute to my profitability, right? There may not be a risk on every single product if I got something wrong, right? Um, so instead of spending all my time on those that, that don't require it, let me go focus my time on those that do and see what I could do to add value to it. So it's not just about making the right decision. It's about avoiding making the wrong decision, right? Um, I was reading this article, uh, is talking about the, the fear that writers have over the adoption of new technology, right? There's this new technology coming in and it's a threat to writers and it's going to destroy the publishing industry. And as it turns out, 
it's an article from 1963 about the the coming of the Xerox machine, right? <laughs> so when we talk about this fear, you know, is it uh, that, that people have over new technology? Is it fear of being replaced? Is it a matter of, you know, I know better? Or is it, a, you know, thinking about if I turn over my decision-making process to artificial intelligence, will my boss realize that they no longer need me? Uh, or does the, the time and distance that we see, you know, like, like with the copy machine, looking back and realizing it's just another tool. Do you think that fear, you know, some were just stoked by popular media because it makes for good articles. Do you think that that's contributing to the resistance to adopt new technology? So my thoughts on that, based on what I've seen in um, my past experience, is that this, for the most part, the new technology is exciting for the um, supply chain professionals that are coming into supply chain because again it, it is in their mind allowing them to do things that they might not be able to do before because right. that um, mundane work the the data drilling is now going to be done by some other entity and so again they can focus on becoming these decision focused folks who are now more involved in helping the company achieve the strategy that it's that it set out so from what i've seen for the most part it's it's welcome and it's giving people maybe even a renewed excitement about their role because now they know i don't have to be just a number cruncher and a data brewer i actually have maybe more opportunity to do other things now that i couldn't have done because I need to be a body to do some of this mundane work. So when we talk about teaching gains, right? Uh, I was talking to a customer this week who is a steel distributor. And when we, you know, when we think about all the factors that go into making decision, um, they were kind of struggling with gains at this company. Uh, the planners were overriding gains. And it, as they dug into it, uh, they saw that gains was suggesting that it would be a lot better if they moved all of their steel supply from this city to this other city because that's where they were selling it. But what Gaines didn't realize and didn't know uh, was that it couldn't store it in the city it was selling it because it was a port city, it's steel, it's going to rust. So they had to store it in a place with a drier climate. So what was happening was the the planners were coming to, to the, the head of the supply chain and saying, why is this stupid machine that you have making stupid decisions? Doesn't it know better? And the answer is no, it, it, it doesn't know better. It doesn't know better until you teach it. Some people have been thinking that, oh, how this AI roles might go away, but there are also going to be so many roles that are going to be created as well. And folks in supply chain that have supply chain knowledge might be in good positions to be able to apply knowledge into some of these technology roles, uh, role supporting um, AI and, and machine learning, other types of, of AI. And when I had been doing research on technology and where we see technology evolving and technology growing, yeah, there is definitely um, going to be um, roles for um, folks who um, either might not have been connected to supply chain before now we're coming connected to supply chain. So, so as an example, I was talking to a company once who um, 
decided to build a supply chain planning solution in-house. They hire all of these programmers and developers, and this is a, 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 a large global European-based company. Then they had a new CIO okay. who looked at their environment and said, why did you build this yourself? Why don't you go out and buy a supply chain planning tool and employ it? So they were coming to me to say, I've been given this directive that I need to bring in a tool, but I hired all of these people. What do I do with them? I said, well, we need to rethink what hybrid means in our environment. Because what hybrid is going to mean is you're going to have your that is going to support your supply chain, but then you are going to have these other folks who are going to be building your company and supply chain specific models and algorithms because your off-the-shelf tool isn't going to have a library that's exhaustive of every single right. or algorithm that's out there. It's, it's just going to yeah. happen. But you're going to have internal teams who are going to be well-versed in building machine learning models and other types of models for AI, but there's going to need folks who know the discipline of supply chain, right? And to help those folks on the model development side with knowing what rules can we build? What will these algorithms have to look like? You know, it goes back to what I was saying before is that everyone is unique. And every business is experts in the problems that they have. But gains are experts in the problems that supply chains have. So while you have a, a, an intimate understanding and knowledge of your business, you know you combine that with the the gains supply chain experts and the things that we've done and things that we've seen, and what you end up with is a really solid solution. And I think in addition to that, what's what's really exciting and what I've seen in my last year here is that um, as gains, we're willing not to just rest on the laurels of how we've always done things. And we're, we're willing to acknowledge that there there is a need to look at this, you know, challenge differently. And there is the opportunity that we've been afforded not to start from scratch, but to start over. Let's take in everything that we've learned all the experience that we have, all the, the poor decisions we've made, all the things we've been stuck in doing, and, and we get the opportunity to do it differently this time. And so while we're still letting customers take advantage of using you know, our capabilities and our technology and our services, while we're building out the new stuff, we, we are gonna build out something that's different and new to take them to a, to a destination differently than where they're heading today. Um, and that's, that's the exciting part to me. Right. Is that, you know, I think that when we talk about trust, right, we've got a really trusting customer base. We've got longtime customers. I mean, I interacted with some customers at the conference that have been with us for over 15, 20 years. Right. And they're and they're hearing they're hearing these vision statements and they're hearing us talk about, you know, why things are not working. Right. What's the reasons why they're not working? And they're shaking their heads up and down. And it's not that they don't want, you know, they're not looking to get rid of gains, right? And they're not upset that gains hasn't figured this out early. They're really happy by the fact that we're acknowledging that these challenges exist and we're going to go take a different approach. We're not going to keep on doing the same old thing over and over again. And it'll be a journey and it's going to take us a while, but I felt really good at a handful of conversations that I had 
um, and people coming up to me throughout the conference saying, I really liked what you're saying and it's something that's really needed. I'm looking forward to having this from you guys. Uh, so again, I just want to thank you both so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, taking the time to meet with me after summit. Uh, I just, the conversations that I had and the conversations that you guys were having, I really thought would be important to share with the podcast audience. So thank you so much for that. And like we said, it, you know, change can be scary, but it doesn't have to be. Um, so thank you both. Yeah, thank you. Take care. And there you have it. Another episode jam-packed with insights to revolutionize the way you think about supply chain management. A massive thank you to our guests, Amber Sally and Jeff Maturski for guiding us through this labyrinth and helping us understand what it takes to strive for level five. As always, if you're hungry for more knowledge, make sure to check out our accompanying blog post for a comprehensive deep dive in today's topic. Keep on innovating, keep on learning, and remember, when it comes to this exciting journey of supply chain evolution, we're all in this together. This is Joe Davis signing off from another engrossing episode of Gains On. Until next time, Want to stay connected with all things gains and continue to explore the exhilarating world of supply chain planning and design? Then don't forget to follow Gains on LinkedIn, where you can be part of our growing and vibrant professional community. And for more content, engaging posts, and updates, don't forget to like and subscribe to Gains on on YouTube. Trust us, you won't want to miss what we're sharing. If today's podcast episode left you hungry for even more insights, we've got you covered. Every episode of Gains On is accompanied by a detailed blog post for those who wish to dive deeper into the topic. Whether you're looking to expand your knowledge or find that special morsel of information, our blogs are designed with you in mind. Visit gainsystems.com for more. All the links you need can be found in the description below. Thanks once again for tuning into Gains On, and remember, we're here to help you decode the world of supply chains one episode at a time.